On today's Locked on Jayhawks, Kansas lands a commitment out of the basketball transfer portal with Parker Brown. Last name sounds familiar. It's the older brother of Christian Brown. Let's talk about him on today's episode of the show. Also a little bit on Trey Johnson, narrowing down his list to six on Locked on Jayhawks. You are Locked on Jayhawks, your daily podcast on the Kansas Jayhawks. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in to another edition of Locked on Jayhawks. I'm Derek Johnson. You can hear me as well on Rock Chalk Sports Talk, Monday through Friday, 3 to 6 p.m. on KLWN in Lawrence, your flagship station in Lawrence. Thanks for making Locked on Jayhawks your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get any of your podcasts. And on today's edition of the show, we're breaking down Kansas Landing Parker Brown to come in and uh, kind of fill a very specific role, which we'll get into here. In addition, we'll talk a little bit about Trey Johnson, who is the uh, number one recruit in the class of 2024, narrowing down his list to six, including KU being on it. Let's start right here, though. Kansas lands Parker Brown. Uh, Parker Brown began his career at Missouri. He actually, if we want to go further back, right, um, he was born on – no, I'm just joking. No, if you want to go further back, he uh, spent his high school days playing at Blue Valley Northwest, which has been like the premier power program in the the state of Kansas in basketball over the last, I don't know, whatever, decade, two decades or something like that. And, uh, you know, someday there's going to be a, a, I don't know, some story or documentary that needs to be made about the state title game um, between Blue Valley Northwest with Parker Brown on it against Lawrence High. Now, they played the next year, too, against Free State, I believe, or maybe it was two years after. But the one against Lawrence High, you had on that Blue Valley Northwest team, Parker Brown, Christian Brown. You had a, a kid who ended up going to Tulsa. You had, uh, I want to say it was Joe Pleasant, who ended up going to Abilene Christian and was on that team that upset Texas. You had a couple other kids that that went to colleges, whether it was at the D1 or D2 level or the JUCO level or whatever. I mean, it was an absolutely loaded team, and Lawrence High mounted like a 15, 20-point comeback in the fourth quarter, nearly won the game. It was an unbelievable game. I, I want to know how that Lawrence High team almost won the state title over that team. Shout out to Mike Lewis for a great job that uh, he's done there. But anyway, um, Parker Brown started at Blue Valley Northwest and he was the older brother of Christian Brown. So he was a senior when Brown was a junior. And it was interesting because, you know, with with Christian, he was like a guard. I, I obviously once he came to KU, he was a wing, but he was like the initiator. He was the ball handler when he was in high school. Parker Brown was the center and he was the one who was, you know, a little bit taller and he was skinnier. And um, he ended up going to Missouri um, out of out of high school. I don't know if he was a walk-on originally at Missouri or on scholarship, um, but he spent a couple seasons at Missouri and then he transferred to Santa Clara and was a pretty solid big for Santa Clara. He's going to be in his fifth year of college basketball. So this is his COVID year. This will be his last year of eligibility. So it'll be one and done basically there. And uh, depending where you look, different sizes, different heights, um, you look at Santa Clara's website, it lists him at six foot 10, 215 pounds. So a little on the lighter end, but you know, plenty tall. I think uh, college basketball reference lists him at like six foot eight. Um, I, I would say when I watched him play in high school, I don't know, that feels like so long ago, but it seemed like he was six nine at the very least. So I'm erring on the side that he is probably more six nine, six ten, like Santa Clara listed him as. Um, but I mean, he, he played 44 games at Missouri. Played around eight minutes per game over those years. So he was kind of just serving as a backup role big man. And then when he transferred to Santa Clara, he got a huge jump in playing time. 
Santa Clara was pretty good too. This isn't the case of a guy going to, you know, some random mid-major and just starting on a bad team. Santa Clara was in the West Coast Conference, which is, you know, one of the better mid-major conferences. You're talking about Gonzaga, BYU, St. Mary's, right? There's a lot of good competition in there. I mean, shoot, you look at Santa Clara and they've they've put together some pretty good rosters lately. They had the uh Jalen Williams kid, or, or man, did he go to Loyola Marymount? I can't remember, but I, either way, West Coast Conference kid from last year that ended up being at OKC. This year, they've got the uh, Podziemski or however you pronounce a kid who might get drafted in the NBA. And Santa Clara this year finished 85th on Ken Palm, which is pretty high for like the whatever they are, fourth place team or something in the West Coast Conference. And that was actually one spot ahead of Stanford. So if you were like, yeah, let's bring on Harrison Ingram, and you're not worried about the jump up in competition, then you shouldn't be worried about Parker Brown either. Now, obviously, the you know little apples to oranges, different position, former five-star recruit, the numbers better for Ingram, all that stuff, whatever. But they're actually six spots ahead of Princeton, too. I guess my point being is that don't hold it against him that he was only at Santa Clara. They were pretty good last year. And in two years at Santa Clara, he started 65 games and averaged 7.3 points per game five and a half rebounds per game, 1.8 assists per game, 1.1 blocks per game. He shot 65% on two-point shots over the uh, the last two years, and he shot 28% from three. So he can stretch it a bit, not ultra-consistent, and he played 29 minutes per game. Obviously, he had a decision to make. He had a decision in the portal here with was he going to go to another school where he could play high minutes per game and make an impact and get on the court more? Or did he want to come to Kansas where the minutes are going to be more limited, but he plays a specific role and tries to be on a winning team? And I think that um, that was part of the discussion. Like there was some discussion. Was he going to be, if he signed, was he going to be a walk-on or was he going to be on scholarship? And I think the idea for KU was they were going to try to get him as a walk-on in-state tuition, brother played here, all that stuff. Um, and then that would be able to, they'd have an extra scholarship that they'd check off the list from the NCAA IARP case to where they could be like, okay, we, we used one of the ones that we, or, or we didn't use one of the ones we weren't, you know, allowed to use. And now we get an extra one for a future year. But I think in the end from his camp, he was probably like, okay, well, if you offer me a scholarship, I'm, I'm comfortable coming in there and being the emergency center or, or playing backup minutes or, or whatever that role is. But if it's as a walk-on at that point, I'd rather just have a scholarship somewhere else and play 25, 30 minutes a game. And so it kind of forced KU's hand to be like, okay, fine. Here's the scholarship, right? Um, but here's what I find very interesting. I was looking at a synergy profile. Parker Brown ranked in the 67th percentile in post-up defense. Solid numbers. Lengthy big, over a block per game. But here's the real one. Uh, he ranked 86th percentile in post-up offense, including being in the 93rd percentile for his jump hook. So he's got a good hook shot. Okay, let, let me explain all this. We You have a, a big man coming in, because I, I know there's some people who um, looked at this as like, Parker Brown, like, why, why are they not getting some five-star recruit? Why are they not getting some high-level four-star recruit? Why not this other, like, high-level transfer center? Kansas was in a point. Kansas was in a space where... They were not looking for that type of center because if you added a freshman center who is a four-star recruit, guess what? They're going to stick around for a year and then they're going to leave because that's just what happens. Or if they were going after some big man who, you know, is really good and was on the level of an Ernest Uday or Zuby Edgefer, guess what? They wouldn't come to Kansas because you have Hunter Dickinson. He's going to play 30, 32 minutes a night. I'm not coming in there to play eight minutes a game. If I'm that good, I'm not coming in there to do that for Parker Brown. It's a different story. 
And he views it as, well, I can play my 30 minutes a night, but it's going to be at a lower level, or I can really contribute at a winning level, but at a lower degree. And it's my last year of college. Like, let's do this thing. My brother played here. I saw he had such a great time. Like, let's do it. And so for KU, you were looking for a very specific, like the way I viewed it is KU has three open scholarships. Now with Brown, they have two open scholarships. I don't know if they'll use both of them at this point, but the way I viewed it before they got Parker Brown was that they'd use one on a big man who would just be comfortable being content, being a backup big man, and then one on an impact player, whether that's a four man, whether that's a wing, whether it's a big wing, whatever. This checks that box. It is a center that you don't have to worry about coming in and being like, why am I not playing more? It's a center you have to don't have to worry about coming in and disrupting the locker room. It's a center you don't have to worry about coming in and being like, oh, how is he going to translate to Bill Self being tough coaching? His brother played for the coach, right? Like he's played for good coaches too. So like it's it's something where this is such a easy fit to bring in and look at it this way. Parker Brown, six foot ten, a little on the lighter side. Okay, Mitch Lightfoot was about six foot eight, a little on the lighter side. He could get pushed around at times. But overall, you know, you're playing him 10, 15 minutes a game um, when David McCormick was here in, in his final season. And Mitch Lightfoot had a killer post hook. He was unstoppable with his right-handed post hook over his left shoulder. Parker Brown, 93rd percentile in his jump hook. Parker Brown is Mitch Lightfoot reincarnated for KU. Now, maybe he's not Mitch Lightfoot for Mitch's final season when Mitch was playing 15 minutes a game because that won't happen for Parker Brown. That would mean Hunter Dickinson's only playing 25 minutes a game or you're playing Parker Brown at the four, which I don't really see those things happening. But point being, you wanted somebody who could come in and be comfortable being a kind of emergency big man, a backup big man that could give you solid play when they're in, that has some things you can go to, like that post hook that is a solid enough defender, a solid enough rim protector, going to help you out in practice. And you didn't want to upset the locker room. You didn't want somebody, you know, coming in and, and then it's just going to transfer in a year. And you didn't want or you didn't have the opportunity to bring on somebody who is like, oh, they're an all-conference player at this other school. They're going to transfer into your school to play eight minutes a game. That was never going to happen. So this is a perfect fit for KU, exactly what I think they were looking for at the center position. All right, let's get on to how he exactly fits in with the team, what his role could be on the team in just a second. First, though, this episode of Locked on Jayhawks is brought to you by Bird Dogs. You know, bird dogs are both comfortable, they fit super well, and they are absolutely versatile. So I got mine in the mail the other day, and I already love them. Put them on for the first time. Don't even need to wear, you know, underwear because it's got kind of the lining on the inside. It's super comfortable, and it's going to fit right on. It's got kind of the stretchy elastic waistband, so it's going to give you multiple options for how it fits, but it feels right. It's not tight. It's not one of those waistbands where it's like, you know, tugging at you and you got the marks on afterward. No, it's nice and loose, but it has a little bit of adjustment there. And it's super comfortable from the shorts themselves to the waistband part. And they're versatile because even though they, they have like the comfort of gym shorts, they look like dress shorts. So you're going to be able to go out to, you know, that nice bar, that nice dinner with your friends wearing them when it's hot outside. You're going to be able to wear them to nicer events that you normally wouldn't be able to wear something that comfortable to. Um, so I'm excited all throughout the summer. It's obviously, you know, 90, 100 degrees every day once we get into like June and July here in Kansas. You need shorts. You need good dress shorts. Perfect with Bird Dog. Go to birddogs.com slash locked on college when you enter promo code locked on college. They'll throw in a free custom Bird Dogs Yeti style tumbler too with every order. All right. 
So bird dogs fit great. How does Parker Brown fit on the KU basketball team? So as I mentioned, KU was going to bring in a center who was like this first team all conference pick somewhere else, right? That, that just wasn't going to happen. They weren't going to have interest. And um, you needed somebody who could have a, I don't know, not be upset if they don't end up playing. So I think there's there's kind of two avenues of what's going to happen here with Parker Brown. As I mentioned, I think there are a lot of similarities here with Mitch Lightfoot. Um, you know, not the strongest guy in the world, but is going to fight hard on defense, pretty good rim protector, and has a really good jump hook. Like he's going to get the job done for you as a backup, big kind of role. I think from a from a ceiling versus a floor, from a ceiling, he plays that role really well and he's your backup center. From a ceiling perspective, he's the first center off the bench coming in for Hunter Dickinson. And KU is able to keep KJ Adams at specifically just the four. And then that means if Dickinson's playing 30, 32 minutes a game, that Parker Brown is playing the other eight to 10. And he played eight per game, or, or I think it was nine over nine per game as a second year player at Missouri at the power five level. And now he's added two years of that. That's some solid games in there. Like they get 11 and nine or something like that against Gonzaga recently at the end of the season, um, that that's going to be just fine. I think from a floor perspective, that's the ceiling. He's your emergency center in case of injury and or foul trouble. And maybe this is the more realistic one where Hunter Dickinson is playing those 30 to 32 minutes a night. And then KJ Adams is playing the other eight minutes as your backup five. And now you're covered at center. So you have all your minutes covered for, but you still need somebody. You need a practice body. You still need somebody in case. What if in that specific game, KJ Adams gets in foul trouble? What if Hunter Dickinson gets in foul trouble, which is something that Hunter has done a really good job of avoiding over the course of his career. What happens if, if, you know, somebody rolls an ankle and they're out for a game or they're out for a week. Do you have a, an emergency center you can bring in there? And Parker Brown should be able to do just that. So either way, it's an important position for you. You either have an emergency center or he's your backup center, depending how he does, depending what you want to do and, and how KJ Adams does. And that's ultra important. And it's somebody who's going to, you know, they're not going to be a, an energy suck on the locker room because they know what they're getting into. They signed up for this. They signed up to knowing full and well Hunter Dickinson is here. They signed up for this with, you know, their brother attending the University of Kansas and having, um, I don't know, I'm sure a good ear for him on what to expect from the coaching staff to just around campus, stuff like that. So uh, we'll see if they add anybody else because they do still have two scholarships left. So I guess would it be crazy if they tried to add another body at center or maybe tried to add a, a walk-on center or something? No, just to get them another body? No, it wouldn't be crazy. Um, but I think realistically, what I'm expecting at this point with two open scholarships, you now pretty much have the bare minimum coverage at every position. I think ideally you want to have three players that can play each position. At point guard, Dewan Harris, Marco Jackson, uh, Arterio Morris. Boom, you have three players you can play there. Shooting guard, you can play Arterio Morris, Marco Jackson, Nick Timberlake, uh, Chris Johnson, Jamari McDowell. Boom, you have five players you can play there. Small forward, you have those same five guys realistically, but maybe more so Nick Timberlake, Chris Johnson, and Jamari McDowell, and Marcus Adams. So boom, you have four guys you can play there. At the four, you have KJ Adams, and Marcus Adams. Maybe you could stretch Jamari McDowell there, but that's the one where you probably need somebody else. So that goes in line with trying to get a big wing. And then at the center now, you have Hunter Dickinson, KJ Adams, and Parker Brown. You have your three bare minimum kind of coverage at that position. So you have two scholarships left. For sure, one of the scholarships needs to go to an impact level player. What I mean by impact level player, 
has to be somebody playing 20, 30 minutes a night. Could be a starter, could be somebody who's just playing a lot of minutes off the bench. You need one of those, and preferably, specifically, probably has to be somebody who can play the four position, so it's either a big wing, power forward if you want to play two big basketball, whatever it is. Um, so I think that when you look at it, you look at one scholarship for sure being used, and then the other scholarship, at this point, it wouldn't shock you if they just said, ah, eh, we'll only use one of our two remaining scholarships, we'll play with 11 scholarship players, and that way we'll have used two of the three self-imposed scholarships up in one year and give us more flexibility and options for the uh, two years ahead. But love this fit for KU. This is kind of exactly what you were looking for. It's not an overly sexy ad, but you weren't looking for that at this point in time. Uh, sometimes it's okay. Like sometimes you can't fill out your roster with, you know, 10 all-conference players. You need to fill out your roster with certain role guys, and Parker Brown is perfect for just that. Let's finish things up with Locked on Jayhawks on Trey Johnson. Released a uh, top six. Spoiler alert, Kansas is in it. So finishing things up with Locked on Jayhawks, Trey Johnson is the uh, number one recruit in the class of 2024. He is a six foot five shooting guard. He is a um, really good shooter, scorer. He just released his top six. Kansas is in it. Uh, I, I think what people have been kind of saying is that I get like, I guess his dad played at Baylor, uh, then transferred to Midwestern State. A lot of people have been kind of saying that Baylor and maybe Kentucky, like those are the top two in the race here but kansas certainly in it i think i saw he visited like four times to kansas which that's that's a lot um i don't think he'll reclassify uh i guess hypothetically he could and he has the open scholarships but i i don't think that's really a discussion and specifically he's someone who i, I guess if we're going into the scouting report like this is the number one uh on like every recruiting site right now for 2024 now keep in mind the 2024 class is seen as kind of weak it's possible that if johnson like, for instance, were to reclass into this year, he might end up the seventh, eighth ranked recruit in the country. So it is a little bit different, but really good score. He uh, has a really good shooting stroke, good footwork, just kind of an advanced game, good mid-range, good three-point shooter. The comp on 24-7 sports was Devin Booker. So that is uh, quite the high praise of Trey Johnson. He's got good length at six foot five. He can shoot over defenders. I mean, you can play him at the two or the three. Um somebody who's put up good stats at the high school level and the prep level and, you know, has performed well in big games, but obviously needs to add strength and, and maybe some more defense to his game and stuff. So I don't know how much that translates to being a reclassify option anyway, even if that were a discussion, which as I mentioned, I don't think really right now it is. Um, but yeah, clearly somebody who you would love to get. And if you fast forward a year to next season's team, well, Nick Timberlake is going to be gone. He's a six year player who's gone. Okay, you clearly would be needing data shooter. And realistically, he's the number one recruit in the country. So it wouldn't really matter who you graduate or who you bring back because you're just going to be like, hey, you're the number one player in the country. Let's add you no matter what. Right. But certainly there would be a real hole that they could fill with with him, with Timberlake gone. Who knows with like El Marco Jackson or Arterio Morris, if they have a good enough season to kind of go pro afterwards. But you clearly would have spots at the guard position, even though Dewan Harris would be back, but he's not really a point guard. So uh, they would make it work. And yeah, again, if you're the number one recruit in the country, they kind of make it work and uh, work from there. So I don't know that KU is necessarily the favorite right now, but also uh, depends how early in his recruiting process it is. He just narrowed it down to six. Um, some guys we see wait till the following spring, right before they're going to enter college to commit. But it seems like with the way that things are speeding up and already narrowing down to a top six, maybe this is one of those guys that is going to commit this summer, if not in the fall, and it's going to be an earlier one 
uh, to kind of come there. But you'd imagine KU continues to push hard. And with the news of them having the visit a couple weeks ago, Trey Johnson and then Flory Badunga this last week, certainly they've got a couple uh, interesting players out there for the class of 2024, along with many others they've contacted to or offered scholarships to. All right, that'll do it for this episode of Locked On Jay. We will uh, be back on Friday's episode to talk about Kevin McCuller as he will be um, in the midst and slightly wrapping up his NBA combine performance. I think it goes through Sunday, but we'll get to the latest on Kevin, his decision. Is it more possible that he comes back now? Is it more possible that he leaves? How big of an addition would it be if he comes back? All that sort of stuff on next episode of LOJ. You can find us wherever you get any of your podcasts. You can also find us on YouTube, like, and subscribe to the show. Thanks and have a good one. Later.